Hello, and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. It's the trade deadline edition of our podcast, kids. Uh, this is your moderator, Tom Reed. I'm joined today by Taylor Haas and a, a dozy Dave Molinari, who's been up all night, uh, traveled uh, from the Metro New York area, went it through the whole deadline, and as we're recording, we'll probably fall asleep as soon as we hit the end button, but we do have a lot to get to. Obviously, the big news of the weekend is the Jeff Carter trade. Uh, Jeff Carter coming here for a conditional third-round draft pick in this coming draft, and then a conditional fourth-round draft pick in 2022. Obviously, he, he coming in from the LA Kings, a two-time Stanley Cup winner, uh, for a long-time player in the league. Uh, we're going to get to all that, but uh, Ron Hextall met with the media today, or, and a uh, lot of interesting stuff, and it was not just on the Carter trade. Uh, uh, talked a little bit about the injuries situation to the players that are still out, uh, mainly uh, Evgeny Malkin, Kasperi Kapanen, and Brandon Tanev. And um, Taylor, you were obviously on the, on the Zoom call. Uh, give us a rundown of when we can maybe expect to see some of these guys back. Yeah, I mean, there's good news and bad news. Um, Malkin, uh, he says, expected to return during the regular season, which we knew um, kind of already. Um, Kapanen is getting closer. Uh, he said, uh, Hextel said he believes Kapanen is somewhere in the 10 to 14 day range before returning. But I mean, the big news is uh, Brandon Tedev is believed to be out for the remainder of the regular season. Um, so if he returns, it won't be until the playoffs. And I mean, that's a, that's a big loss. Dave, we've talked about uh, Tanif on this show uh, repeatedly since we, we came on the air a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, again, he's not a big goal scorer, uh, but he's certainly a part of the fabric of the team and brings uh, some of the grit that, that, that uh, maybe isn't uh, necessarily there in all parts of other players' games. Uh, how do they overcome this? And is it just if, if, he, if they can get him back in the first round of the playoffs, uh, can they overcome this? Oh, sure. They, they can overcome it. And they're, you know, they're not going to replace him, you know, with a similar player because they don't have a similar player. Uh, there aren't all that many guys who in the league who play the game with the energy that, uh, that Tanev does, you know, he makes the Tasmanian devil look like a sloth, uh, you know, that you, you, you know, it, it, that's just not something that that I, I think a guy can uh, replicate at will. You've you've got to be born with that, or at least have uh, you know integrated it to, to your DNA over the years, so that that is the way you play. I, it's not like uh, guys can flip a switch and play that way, shift in and shift out. Yeah. Uh, so you know he. Uh, he will be difficult to replace, but you know, to this point, they've uh, they've been able to get by without him, and have you know put themselves in pretty good position to at least get into the playoffs. Taylor, um, taking that whole gr- that whole group, uh, we again we mentioned ten to fourteen days for Kapanen, and somewhere before the end of the regular season uh, for Malkin. As we as we speak tonight, 
Everyone's on 42 games. Uh, the Penguins two points out of first place in the East. Can they win the division if they don't get these guys back until the tail end of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, it's something we've talked about before where you have to look at uh, the remainder of the schedule too. And and the Penguins, I believe, have the easiest schedule to finish out the season out of out of the teams in contention for that um, spot. I mean, they have a couple games left against the Devils and a couple against um, uh, the Sabres still. What's so, left of the Sabres? Well, I was going to say, I, was, I don't even know who's on that team anymore. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they do have some some easy games that should at least make up for um, you know the injuries that they do have. So I mean I, I don't I don't I don't know if that'll be enough to give them the division, but I wouldn't rule them out. Dave, I want to throw you a little bit of a curveball here, and then Taylor, I want you to get back in on this topic. Uh, and we are going to address in our a little, little later in the segment. We're going to kind of go around the division and around the league uh, of some of the trades that were also made. I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit here. You know, Boston, the big the big story is is getting uh, Taylor Hall. But Dave, I look at I look at the Boston Bruins right now, and they are a beat up team. And if I'm the Penguins, I think there is incentive to win the division because I I want Boston or the Rangers. I don't think the Rangers are going to they're going to run out of games. But I would to me I would rather take my chances against Boston than the Islanders or Washington in the first round. Your thoughts? Well, the Boston is a team that traditionally gives the Penguins a lot of trouble, at, at least in Boston. Um, you know, certainly the, the Bruins are, are in a bad way right now with injuries, and, you know, they've had an issue with all season with getting goals from people other than their top line. Um, but, you know, once you're in the playoffs, you know, there are no easy series. You know, some might be a little more difficult right. than others, but I think you have to be careful about trying to pick your opponent um, because, you know, you, you might just be picking your poison. Taylor, your, your thoughts? On who they might be able to play in the, on, on, the on is, is it is it is it worthy winning the division obviously is going to get you home yeah. ice advantage first of all but it, it looks like the, what what we have here is in some order Pittsburgh Washington and the Islanders and then it's going to probably be Boston uh and I think I honestly believe that that Boston even though, as Dave mentioned they've had a lot of trouble winning in Boston but that team has not been able to get it together all year. Uh, can they get hot at the end? They've got a lot of games left. I think at least four or five games left with the Sabres. Uh, so that's certainly uh, good news. But I, I would I would want Boston right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, looking at the teams that, you know, that are that are in the mix, I don't I don't know if there's any team that I would necessarily say like, okay, this one uh, definitely this one over the others, or definitely they have to avoid this one. Every every team is just so close, and the games they've had against these, these teams have been so close. Um, I mean, but Boston, like Dave said, the secondary scoring has been an issue, um, and that could come back to bite them in the playoffs. But uh, e- either way, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, and, 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 and again, I think one of you two will be making one more trip to Boston, at least at the, in, at the end of the re- – is that, is that at the end of the regular season? Uh, they're, they're done with games in Boston. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. I'm looking at the Bruins schedule. Yeah, you're right. It's at Pittsburgh. They, so they have they'll have two more games uh, right near the end of the season 
with the Bruins, and we'll see where they are at that point. Again, I expect the Bruins to hang on to that fourth playoff spot. And again, I think they will be bolstered a little bit by all these games with Buffalo. But we will. You, but you never know. You know, you, we'll see where this where this all takes us. Um, normally, we do have a, a guest on every show. We like to have a guest on every show. That's not going to be the case today. Uh, so many great men and women who cover this league. Obviously, it's a big working day. I feel bad even bringing Taylor and Dave on because mm-hmm. it's it's such a busy day. And I mentioned Dave just wants to get some sleep. So uh, we won't have a guest today, but we still have our normal three segments show. And we're going to be back in a minute to, to break down the big trade. Jeff Carter coming to Pittsburgh. We'll be right back on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Uh, now I want to get into, uh, obviously, the big news of the last 24 hours, uh, the acquisition of Jeff Carter. And I do want to correct uh, something I had said earlier as far as uh, what the Penguins are giving up. And I'm going to turn the floor over to Taylor, who uh, right as soon as we finish the first segment, he admonished me that I got it <laughs> wrong. And we, we need to get it right. Taylor? Uh, yeah. What did the Penguins give up in this deal? Yeah, you just mixed up the years. The Penguins like don't even have the picks to really be trading away in this coming year's draft. They only have a two five and uh, three sevens. But so the the two conditional picks they gave up. Um, the first one, it's a conditional third round pick in twenty twenty two that could get upgraded to a second round pick if the Penguins reach the Stanley Cup final and Jeff Carter plays in at least fifty percent of the games. Um, and then the other pick is a conditional fourth round pick in 2023 that can get upgraded to a third round pick if uh, Carter plays in 50 games in next season. Uh, so those are the the two picks. Uh, so kind of mortgaging the future, but uh, not really. I'm, you know, it's not even, they might, those might not even get upgraded those two. Right. All right. In, 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 uh, in Jeff Carter, uh, they are receiving a 36 year old, Two-time Stanley Cup winner, uh, a guy who has been a prolific goal scorer early in his career, uh, shoots almost on, not quite on a Ovechkin pace, but shoots all the time. And I think really, while his numbers may have gone down a bit when he got to L.A., I think he became a, a better two-way player. He's the old, the old cliche, 200-foot player. And at 36 years old, he still moves pretty well. He he did have a right tendon issue, I believe, in his ankle a couple of years ago. That kind of weren't sure how he would come back, but I, I think he's he's come back pretty well from it. Uh, for the fans that that have don't follow the Kings a lot, they are in a rebuilding mode. They are playing a lot of younger players. They are playing some. They've got some good young centers that they're playing. Uh, I think Carter has been playing more out on the wing. Eight goals and eleven assists uh, in. Uh, 40 games this season for the Kings. And now here we go coming to Pittsburgh. Uh, first thoughts on this deal, Taylor. Yeah, he, um, I know people were talking about like, Oh, do they need a center? But like you said, he has played more wing this season. Um, he's almost exclusively wing rotated, m- moving between the second and the third line. He has been used at center a little bit. Um, so that gives them that, um, you know, that, that, that depth, especially with, 
Tanev being out and he can move in uh, to center if needed because uh, we don't know uh, Freddie Gaudreau because he left, uh, what was it, Sunday's game too. We don't have an update on him yet. So if they do end up needing a center, he can step in there too. Uh, he can really play up and down the lineup. He uh, was on the Kings power play, uh, had shorthanded minutes. So uh, yeah, just that, that versatility was something that Hex all pointed to. And uh, I mean, that's not bad to have that kind of depth. Dave, uh, this is not the first time uh, in this reign, uh, especially over the last six, seven years, where the Penguins have gone out around or near the deadline and got themselves a 30-something-year-old forward. Uh, I'm sure fans are still trying to block out uh, the deal last year uh, with Patrick Marlowe because that one really fizzled. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on Carter, and what does he still have left that he could offer to this team? Well, uh, it was the deal, if they were going to make one, which I was not convinced that, that it would happen. I, I thought there was a pretty good chance that Hextall would stand pat. Um, the deal was about the magnitude uh, that I would have expected, uh, but not necessarily for the type of player that uh, I thought he would pursue. I really figured that if they tried to bring somebody in, it would be either a physical forward, probably a winger, uh, or a defenseman who could help to uh, clear some bodies in, in front of their goaltenders. And uh, you know, Carter doesn't uh, fit either of those molds. You know, he still can skate. Uh, the Penguins certainly prize versatility, and he has that. Um, whether he could be a difference maker in the playoffs, I, I think remains to be seen. You know, there's, yeah. he's got a lot of hard miles on him, you know, <laughs> at, at 36. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, you know, he could, he could be a complimentary piece, uh, but I don't know that they should be counting on him to uh, fill any role larger than that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when you, when you're coming over for a conditional third in, 2022 and uh, conditional fourth in uh, 2023. I got that right this time, Taylor? Yeah, 2023 okay. and then yeah, okay. 2023. You're, you're obviously not bringing in Ron Francis uh, uh, in his prime. Uh, but, but one of the things that's interesting, and we see this in every sport with every general manager all the time, is in Ron Hextall's very first move, he brings in a player. He is tremendously uh, familiar with. Uh, Hextall was in Philadelphia when uh, Carter was there. He was also in uh, L.A. working, I think, as an assistant GM at the time uh, when uh, Carter and the Kings won their first cup in, in 2012. So he knows this player. He obviously still has connections with the Kings. Uh, I, I, I think his good buddy and mentor, Dean, Lombardi is still with the organization. Taylor, uh, just you, you think that, that Hacksaw has a pretty good feel of what, what they're getting here? Yeah, and one of the things that Hextall spoke about on um, on Monday was that he really didn't want to mess too much with the chemistry um, of the Penguins locker room. Um, he said the chemistry they've had this year has just been really special, and that's why you know he said if you bring in you know three or four guys, and all of a sudden like the lines and the defense change, the room changes. Um, he said Carter, he think he knows him well enough that he 
he's obviously not going to mess with accommodations too much just because of, I mean, the injuries they have already. Um, but he said he knows them well enough that he's not going to affect their chemistry in an adverse way, um, like in the room either. So he's, he said he's just going to uh, come into the room, just wants to go out and play hockey, be a good guy, good teammate. So uh, he knows him well enough that, uh, yeah, he thinks he's going to be a good addition to the room too. Dave, okay, uh, Taylor kind of mentioned it, and maybe the answer is we don't quite know yet come playoff time. Uh, where would you envision the best fit for him? Oh, in the gee, I, I, you know, my inclination right now, if you want to assume that everybody is healthy, which is quite an mm -hmm. assumption with this group, uh, would probably be to have him center one of the uh, bottom six you know, lines, uh, you can put whatever number you want on a line centered by Carter and one centered by Bluger. Um, but, you know, I, I think how he ultimately is used will be determined by who's out at a, at a given time. Um, you know, I certainly could see him playing as high as the, you know, the second line on the wing or, you know, as low as, if you want to label it, the fourth line uh, in the middle. So, you know, it uh, it will it will depend on the circumstances at any given moment. I think uh, precisely how they use him. Yeah, Taylor. One of the things I've always liked about Jeff Carter's game is he shoots the puck, and in a league where a lot of the best players always like to make the extra pass. Uh, Carter has never been that way, and he's really unusual for a center. Usually the wingers, you think of Ovechkin just bombing pucks every time he, he gets that left circle. Uh, I think that can help a little bit, uh, especially at playoff times. We talk about shots, we talk about shots on goal. In other words, the puck's getting through to the net. It's not being blocked. He's got a very, he's got a very good release. Uh, Ron Hextall was talking about that today. Do you think that can benefit a team that sometimes is – kind of guilty of trying to like walk the puck into the net with fancy plays yeah yeah i could i could see that helping and i mean you saw i mean the offense he was putting up in la i mean that's a struggling team but he was still putting up good numbers he has slowed down as of late but really i mean not that much i think he had 19 points in 40 games um that's yeah. that's not that bad i mean for like what you said he's uh 36 you know doesn't have that many years left in his career but uh yeah he uh and i it, it was eight of those were goals so um yeah he can he can still score he still shoots the puck um yeah goal goal production maybe a little bit down this year but yeah he's still shooting and um even if i mean those aren't aren't going in sullivan always talks about you know how you know, if you just shoot the puck then that just creates more motion and allows guys to uh use their instincts more and he thinks that's when they're at their best so even if he's not the one putting it in the net, just shooting as often as he does uh, is, is big. Creates chaos, as Doc yeah. would say. Uh, Dave, what is the reasonable expectation here? I, mean, I think you may have mentioned it. It's, maybe that's an unfair question to lob at you, but uh, what can, you know, do you think this guy can help them in, in some ways? It, again, we're not expecting him to carry the scoring in the playoffs, but, but can this be, oh, it has to be better than, than Marlowe, but when you look at this, does this guy look like somebody that might be able to help them here? Well, he looks like he's capable of, of being, you know, a complimentary piece, a, a guy who contributes, uh, even if he doesn't carry the team. 
But when, you know, when you're talking about somebody who's 36 years old, you know, there has to be concern about whether he will simply wear out over the yeah. course of a uh, long playoff run if they're able to put one together. You know, yeah. which, given their recent playoff history, is is another assumption that you shouldn't make. Right. Um, you know, if they would only last five games in the first round, you know, his durability really wouldn't be an issue. But if they get a couple rounds in, it will be interesting to see if he uh, is still performing at, at, at the same level that we expect him to, you know, in, in the stretch drive and, and early in the playoffs. Taylor, I, I wanted to ask you the same question. Can he have an impact for this team? Yeah, I think you bring up Marlowe, and I think people have uh, like ne- react negatively when you know they bring in like an older guy like this to the deadline because what you think of Marlowe, you think of uh, Brennan Morrow, uh, Jerome Ginla. Although Jerome Ginla, I don't think he was much of a bust. They just didn't use him right. Um, but I mean, they, there have been some good additions like this. Uh, I mean, like Daly, uh, Ron Hainsey, that. Uh, really were key guys for the for the playoff runs. So um maybe Jeff Carl be in that group and not in the Marlo Moro type group. But uh yeah no I think he can still contribute down down the run. He's a two time cup champion. So that can't hurt. Yeah and and, and and sometimes you bring in guys that are cup champions that were I don't want to say on the periphery but but weren't cogs. Jeff Jeff Carter was a cog in both of those, especially the 2014 uh, cup. I, I can still see that the finals, they just <laughs> moved that puck low to high and just had those guys bombing away. And they got so many greasy goals. Uh, and that's Daryl Sutter hockey. Uh, and we'll see if, if, if this can, if the way that Carter plays can uh, work for Mike Sullivan, uh, we're going to start finding that out pretty quickly. Last thing here, uh, Taylor, what is the what is the ETA? What how quickly can we expect to see Mr. Carter in the lineup? I it sounds like maybe as soon as the next game. Uh, so uh, Hextall said when he spoke to um, Carter um, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Um, you know, he said, you know, if you need like a day or however long to get your to you know get ready to come here, uh, you can take that. And nope, Carter uh, got on a plane Monday. He's supposed to be uh, in Monday night. And um, Hextall said that they're supposed to, uh, they're hoping he can practice on Tuesday. So they practice Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and then there's a game Thursday um, against the Flyers, which would be a great debut, I think, for Jeff Carter as a Penguin. Yeah, actually, you bring up a good point. You raise a good point, Taylor, that, that, they're, that the schedule gives them a little bit of a break if they want to get him in uh, uh, sooner. Now, 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 what is the, any, I know he's not traveling from Canada today, but are there, will there be any kind of quarantine issues with him? I don't believe so. You know, there, there are regulations in various states for travelers uh, who are coming in from another state, uh, but they really don't seem to be enforced. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can, I can tell you that from personal experience in, uh, you know, going to Massachusetts and New York and New Jersey. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the honor system, and and apparently, not many of us have honor. So, <laughs> Dave, they they probably miss you. Do you have any more trips to Long Island? I hope you have an, at least one more trip to Long Island this year. Well, certainly for the playoffs, you oh, know yeah, that the Penguins are going to play the Islanders in the playoffs. <laughs> That's 
Yeah, they could. And uh, that's a good segue into our next segment because we're going to get into uh, what teams in the division, uh, other than the Penguins, did at the trade deadline or around the trade deadline. And uh, that'll be coming up here in a second here on the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. All right, we, we broke down the Jeff Carter deal. That's obviously uh, the big news locally. But, of course, with the playoffs coming up and the Penguins almost assured to be in the playoffs, you also want to take a look around the league and especially within the division. And the three other teams right now that are fighting, uh, that look like they're going to be the playoff teams, were all active at the deadline. Uh, the Rangers did nothing on uh, some of the other teams at the bottom of the division, Buffalo and New Jersey uh, were a bit, were, were sellers, of course. And you know, we talked about that. Uh, Taylor and Dave talked about the, the New York Islanders trade, and we'll get back into that with the Devils. But let's, let's go around the division. Uh, we mentioned right off the hop here about the Bruins situation. They've got injuries. Uh, the team really hasn't got it going since the first two weeks of the season. They've just kind of been moving along, not doing great. And they, they did make uh, probably one of the biggest splashes at the deadline. They bring in Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar uh, from Buffalo for Andres Bjork and a 2021 second-round pick. And you can almost hear the crying in Buffalo for how little – uh, they got back for Taylor Hall. Uh, what's your thoughts on this trade from Boston's point of view, uh, Taylor? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. If you remember back, what was that, 2010 with the Hall and Sagan, Sagan draft? And uh, the Bruins had Sagan and pretty much gave him up for nothing. And then they pretty much got Hall for nothing. Uh, kind of weird to see how things have played out. But, uh, I mean, we talked about it in the last segment. They really need secondary scoring. Um, and he can help. But, uh, I mean, if you look at that trade, um, Bjork and Hall have fewer goals combined than Lazar does. So uh, Lazar might provide uh, more speed. But, I mean, Lazar, he has to help too. So, um, yeah, they're definitely going to get some secondary scoring out of there. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, that's that's big for him. If he could turn his game around, because he's obviously been struggling in, in, Buffalo, in Buffalo. But, I mean, if he can uh, play with better players in, in Boston, uh, that could be dangerous. Dave? The this past weekend, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets traded David Savard in a deal and got first round draft pick. David Savard. Uh, they traded Nick Felino to Toronto and they got a first round draft pick. Taylor Hall, who wasn't that long ago was the MVP of the league, did not merit a first round draft pick. What have you you've seen him a lot this year? You've seen him enough this year. What is going on there? And and can he? Uh, turn this around and help the Bruins late in the season? Oh, maybe they were just looking for a symmetry between a second-round draft choice and the two goals that he had scored <laughs> as a member of the Sabres. Uh, you know, the good news for Boston is he can't possibly be any less productive uh, for the Bruins than he was for the Sabres. I mean, he was a complete non-factor in any positive sense during the entire time he was in Buffalo. 
Uh, I mean, you could probably make a case that Boston overpaid by uh, including a second round pick <laughs> in, in the trade for him. Uh, uh, you know, he, as you noted, he's a uh, former MVP and he, you know, he's not 45 years old now. So you have to think that, you know, the talent didn't all just drain out of him suddenly. So, you know, it's possible that uh, being in a, uh, a new setting will, will revive him. And if so, he could provide some very badly needed secondary scoring for the Bruins. But I think it's far from a sure thing that he'll be able to do that. With the, with the lower, yeah, with the lower turn, if I could jump in there, it's worth noting yeah. that uh, Hall does have a full no movement clause. So um, the Sabres really didn't have much leverage. Like if Hall said, you know, like I'm only going to waive this for, you know, one or two teams um, and those teams don't really have much to, to give up, then the, then the Sabres really don't have a choice. So Hall really could have uh, been, a, been a factor in there. If, if he wanted to go to Boston and only Boston, then uh, there's not much, you know, the Sabres could have done. Of course, yeah, the downside of that or the flip side of that is that if he didn't want to go where, you know, a, a, at some destination that management chose, he would have spent the rest of the season in Buffalo, which, you know, <laughs> just has to be quite a joy ride at this point. So oh, one, one of the best lines of the week, and I can't believe it's an original one uh, earlier in the week, Coach uh, Craig Berube in St. Louis was talking about, as we all talk about at this time of year, what it's like for players to deal with the stresses of the trade deadline. Dave, you wrote a piece about that this week. And his line was, I always had a no trade clause because nobody wanted me. <laughs> nobody wanted <laughs> to trade for me, which I thought was a pretty good line. Uh, quickly, here on Boston, they also made a deal with Ottawa, who was a seller, obviously, at the deadline. Mike Riley for a third-round pick. Any thoughts on that before we move on? Uh, obviously, that defensive core has really uh, taken a beating this year. Yeah, that's, I mean, they they need healthy bodies back there. They've just, you know, their defense core has really been decimated by injuries. And I think just about anybody in the league who plays the position would have would have been attractive to the Bruins at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Islanders, obviously, uh, you guys uh, talked about this over the weekend, but Kyle, Parma, Col Kyle Palmieri and Tra Travis Zajac uh, coming over in a deal with the Devils. And then in what seems like a classic uh, Lou Lamorello move, uh, Braden Coburn, who I think is under 50 years old, but mm -hmm. still a pretty decent player uh, for a seventh-round draft pick in 2022 also from the Senators. Uh, Taylor, when you look at the Islanders now, have they gotten better? I mean, again, no Anders Lee for the playoffs. Uh, what do you expect from the Islanders when you when you put those little moves that they made together? Yeah, I mean, they just uh, really upgraded their depth. Uh, Lee's, a, Lee's obviously a big loss, but uh, yeah, they, they upgraded their depth and uh, I think it's tight as they they play defensively. So you know, I think these guys could be a um, a good fit in their system. Um, I just want to know why they keep acquiring guys who uh, notoriously have beards, like Coburn and Palmieri, <laughs> <laughs> like Lulamrella. Like, is he doing this despite them? Or, um, but yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, they definitely upgraded their depth with these. 
I, and I think that's just part of Lou's uh, plan to eliminate facial hair from everybody in the NHL. <laughs> it's like the Yankees. The Yankees aren't the Yankees like that too. Yeah, or they were for a while. Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's uh, yeah, that's not a play. Obviously, Mike Commodore would never have fitted with uh, with Lou Lamarro. Uh, Braden Coburn, by the way, is is a spry thirty six year old. Uh, so they want to. Get, get on that. Uh, the other move uh, this weekend, and just I believe it was yesterday on Monday, uh, that was to me a pretty. I don't know if, if we saw this move coming. Uh, it, it certainly caught my eye, though. Uh, this was the Washington Capitals going out and get Anthony Mantha from uh, from the Detroit Red Wings, and the Red Wings get back Jacob Verona, who I've always thought's been a pretty, pretty decent player. Richard Panic and a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. That is, uh, they gave up a lot for, and again, Mantha's a good player, but uh, Dave, let's start with you. I mean, that's a, uh, that's quite a haul for the rebuilding Red Wings, but uh, Washington certainly gets a player that kind of, once again, fits into their kind of scheme. It looks like a Barry Trotz player to me. Uh you know, it's the the Capitals certainly didn't steal him from from the Red Wings, and I'm sure the Penguins are thrilled that Verana is a guy that they won't have to deal with this spring. Yeah. He uh, he's been very very productive against them. Um, I don't I don't know that Mantha has ever played to his perceived potential since he entered the league, yeah. uh, perhaps being surrounded by more good players than he was within Detroit will change that. But, you know, I, I think there's an element of risk in, in this for, for Washington uh, for having uh, given up so much to, uh, to acquire him. They are kind of, uh, uh, Taylor, they're kind of in the same boat as the Penguins, right? Uh, we, we talk about the moves. that Now, the Penguins were, you know, obviously we've talked about how they were strapped. They, they don't have a lot of draft capital to move. Uh, but I look, at the, I look at the Penguins and I look at, at the Capitals as two teams that are still very good, but they're aging. And, and my goodness, did they give up a lot for a guy who, again, rugged, six foot five, strapping 234 pound player. That's Tom Wilson size. Uh, do you think they give up too much or I guess it depends on how they do doing the playoffs? Um, I, it's definitely a whole lot to give up to the Red Wings, but I think uh, like whenever people talk about, you know, who won the trade, I, that's, that's always a weird discussion because the teams have different needs. Like uh, the, the Red Wings are obviously re rebuilding and they really, you know, could use those picks, but for the Capitals, those picks, uh, like we said, they're in the same boat as the Penguins, where they kind of have a you know aging stars like Backstrom and Ovechkin. Um, you know, by the time those picks that they traded, the 2021 and the 2022 pick, the, by the time those prospects would have been ready to contribute in a meaningful way at the NHL level, would, would the Caps window probably not already be closed because of you know their aging players? Um, what they need is someone who can help now kind of like the penguins um and and mantha can do that uh it, it is amazing you, you look around the especially in this division and the, the teams have clearly kind of defined ways they play the game with pittsburgh skating team 
Mike Sullivan's never really favored having the the big guys. We all remember the Ryan what Ryan Reeves did or did not do here. Uh, where Washington, I mean, how much larger can they get, Dave? I mean, how much more truculence do they need in that lineup? And again, not saying that Mantha isn't a decent player, but it's just like it seems like they're just getting more of kind of what they have. And I agree with you. Verona is a player. He, I mean, I know he was scratched recently, so maybe he has fallen out of favor with Peter Laviolette, but boy, he's a skilled player when he's on his game. Yeah, I, I like him now. You know, I see him primarily against the Penguins, against whom he's uh, invariably productive. Uh, so perhaps I ha- overestimate him, much as I used to think that Ilka Sinisalo of the Flyers was the clearly the best player in the league because of the way he played against the Penguins, uh, not considering that he was mediocre against just about everybody else. Uh <laughs> But no, I, uh, I I like what Detroit got out of that, and you know the parallel you draw with the Penguins is an accurate one. You know the Capitals are in win now mode just as much as the Penguins are, and it's you know it's kind of funny right now those those two teams are fighting for the top of the division and and possibly something even more lofty. And it's quite possible that a few years from now, what they'll be fighting for is, uh, you know, the first pick in the draft order, uh, <laughs> much as they were in in the mid uh, 2000s. You know, when uh, the uh, the Capitals got Ovechkin with the first pick, and, and the Penguins got Malkin with the second in the 2004 draft. So, I always just just it's one of the things I always find interesting in all of sports is uh, the Penguins, and I think I may have mentioned this on this podcast before, have been unbelievable at being bad at the right times. As far as getting guys, you you see some other teams that get the first, second, third picks in the draft. And in years, the, the, the draft just wasn't that great. They didn't have those transcendent players. But man, have the Penguins been good. In, in being being bad at the right time and well especially if you look at um like to, to get Malkin and Crosby like the, the Penguins were the worst team in 04 but they lost that lottery um yep. but because they lost that lottery because they're so bad at the lottery that that's how they got like they probably would have gotten Crosby if they would have won that the 04 lottery they probably would have gotten Crosby because that would have hurt their their lottery odds for 05 so uh just really lucky with when uh they they, they get bad uh, yes, yes, uh, good point. And um, uh, last little uh, bit of business in the division, Michael Roffel, a uh, longtime flyer, uh, going also to the Capitals. Um, and so, again, uh, Washington getting bigger, uh, more truculent. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if that pays off for them. As, you know, again, we can sit here and we, we enjoy doing these podcasts and especially at trade deadlines. You just never know. And, and I'll bring a, I'll, I'll be throw this one out here. I'll let you, I want you guys to take yourselves back to where you were when this deal was made. I thought when the Penguins got Derek Broussard, they were money because I had watched Broussard play for the Rangers. He was such a clutch playoff guy. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what they, what they need. And it didn't work at all. 
Uh, Dave, can you? I don't want you to speak ill of the dead with 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 Broussard's career, but it is a bit of a gamble at the trade deadline, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yes, uh, I I couldn't agree more about Broussard on paper looking like exactly what the Penguins wanted in a number three center behind Crosby and Malkin. Uh, the problem is that was uh, not a role that Broussard was interested in filling, and it certainly showed in his play. Um, he bore absolutely no resemblance you know, to the guy who had been in Ottawa and with the Rangers and, and with the Blue Jackets. Um, he was a, a non-entity here. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, the, the Penguins gambled on, on bringing him in. You know, they gave up a, a very promising uh, goaltending prospect, a good defensive defenseman in Ian Cole, uh, you know, they, they paid a steep price uh, to get Derek Broussard and certainly did not get their money's worth out of the deal. Um, Taylor, I, we'll, we'll finish it on this. I, I want you to give me a, a little bit of a sense right now, and this is getting back to the Penguins, of where what you like and what you've seen out of those bottom six forwards. Uh, there's... You know, we, we talked about a little bit about this last week after the Ranger game where, where some of those guys have really kind of come on and taken advantage of their opportunities. Uh, would you have been fine had they stayed pat? And could they have – would they have been okay uh, had they not brought in Carter? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, maybe Tanev being out for the rest of the regular season changes that because you are losing that piece in the bottom six. But – I mean, like we said, and, and Hextall even said, too, that uh, these injuries have really shown them uh, what, you know, some of these bottom six guys can do. I mean, he pointed out what Colton Sevier, Colton Sevier getting three goals in two games against uh, the Devils. Uh, didn't expect that. But that's just an example of guys like that stepping up. Um, I mean, and Gaudreau, he pointed to Gaudreau, too. We don't know how long Gaudreau is going to be out, if he's going to be out at all. But, uh, you know, someone like Gaudreau uh, stepping up, uh, Zahorna, they – the bottom six really wasn't that big of an issue, but uh, I mean, this uh, definitely looks like uh, an upgrade, at least a little bit. I know some people have like, okay, who's going to, who's most, uh, who's most affected by this day. But as when we go back in history of this, of this team, I think back to 92 when they had the wave of injuries in the playoffs and you need a lot of forward, you need a lot of players, right? You, if you're going to make a deep run at some point, you're going to be losing some of your, uh, some of your players and, and these guys that that may get uh, bumped out of the, the game day lineup either early in the playoffs or late in the regular season with some of the moves here uh, may still end up having to help this team uh, in the playoffs. Oh, that that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, I think it's true of the uh, cup champion in almost every year. Yeah. Uh, attrition is, is a big part of uh, – of the challenge here, you know, being able to overcome injuries and, you know, have capable replacements, the, uh, you know, have uh, next man up, not just be a catchy slogan, but a, uh, you know, an actual uh, principle on which your, uh, your personnel act. Um, yeah. You, uh, I don't think you can ever have, enough NHL caliber players if you're uh, expecting to go on a deep playoff run. And I do think that is 
again, it's going to a lot will depend on the you know how Crosby, Malkin, and, and and the Gensels and the Rusts of the world and Latangs perform. Obviously, but I think it will be comforting to Ron Hextall and Brian Burke and Mike Sullivan to know they have some of these guys that have come in, stepped in, and performed. And I, I don't think they'll be too shy as far as throwing them in there and wondering what they're going to get. Um, that's it for us on this, uh, again, trade deadline edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. We will be back later in the week uh, for Dave Molinari and Taylor Haas. This is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next time.